0: Hello, thank you for joining us today. We're going to wait just a couple of minutes until everyone is on board. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us today. We are waiting just a few more seconds until everyone has had a chance to log in and then we'll get started. Alrighty. While we're waiting for everyone else to join us, I'm going to go over some housekeeping. My name is Leah Freeberg with Fluke Excelix. and uh, today is a best practices webinar. You probably know Fluke is a test tool provider and you may also know that we produce some of the industry's favorite reliability tools, infrared cameras, vibration meters, but you may not actually know that some of our measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into a variety of TVAM systems of record. And that data transfer happens via a framework that we call Fluke Excelix. Our goal is to better connect as much asset management data as we can into existing asset management systems. And it all turns around best practices in condition-based maintenance. So that's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies. And that's why we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. Before the presentation gets rolling, I have a few housekeeping items for you. Today's session is being recorded, so your phone lines are muted to minimize background noise. We'll save time after the presentation for your questions, though. So, if you have questions during the presentation, you're very welcome to use the questions feature on GoToWebinar to submit questions as we go. So, take a minute now, find the questions tool in your dashboard. At the end of the talk, I'll share as many of your questions as I can for our presenters to answer. And if we have unanswered questions yet, when we have to wrap, then we'll follow up with written answers. If you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, let us know. There'll be a survey that appears at the end of the session, so hang on till the very end. And then as webinar closes, you'll see a survey pop up. Enter the survey and you'll get get sent a copy of the slides. You'll also be able to watch a recording of this webinar on excelx.com within a day or two. So that's it for housekeeping and now for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have two presenters from Fluke Reliability with us, John Burnett and Dries Van Loon. They'll be presenting on proactive maintenance strategies to extend the life of your assets. John, if you'll advance to the first slide, I want to introduce you a bit.
1: Okay. Let me get the controls to work, sorry, there we go.
0: There we go. So as a mechanical application and product specialist at Fluke Corporation, John works with customers from all industries and helps them successfully implement their reliability programs. He has more than 30 years of experience in the maintenance and operation of commercial machinery, and is a nuclear power plant electrician in the US Navy, where all of our best folks come from. He holds a Category 2 vibration analyst certification and is a certified maintenance reliability professional CMRP. Welcome, John, and thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Leah. I'm very happy to be with everyone today and for this opportunity to share some ideas.
0: I love every chance I get to to attend one of your webinars. John, you do a great job. Thank you. Thanks. I'd also like to introduce Dries Van Loon. John, I feel forward to Dries' slide.
1: I'm having a little bit of technical. There we go.
0: Yeah, it's flickering a bit on us. Dries is a sales and product manager, online condition monitoring for Fluke Corporation with 10 years of experience in predictive maintenance. He joined Proof Technic, which was acquired by Fluke last year, when he was still in Belgium as an application engineer, and then he moved to the company's U.S. office in 2014 to set up a condition monitoring department. His group served all of the U.S. on condition monitoring activities such as proactive maintenance, remote temporary monitoring, troubleshooting, and torque measurements. He became a certified ISO Cat4 analyst in 2017. So welcome, Dries.
2: Uh, hey, good morning. Thank you uh, for joining everybody. It's a pleasure to uh, to be here with you today.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I am so excited. This is the first webinar that I've done where we've gotten to have both proof technique and Fluke folks, and it is such a power combination. It's fantastic. Um, and in particular, before we get started, I have actually a question for the two of you, because you've both been in the field for so long. Um, and it has felt to me, at least in the last couple of years, is that reliability is really experiencing a bit of a heyday where there's a lot more respect, right? A lot more, a lot more facilities are aware of the benefits and value, it appears, of reliability maintenance practices. Do you, do you agree? Do you see the same thing out there? Oh,
1: absolutely, I do. I I think that where it used to be reliability was just a buzzword and they talked about it, um, you know, that CEO and a few people would talk about it. Now it's becoming, um, you know, not just um, a cost that that maintenance has to, to do. Everybody has seen it as uh, a way to improve the efficiency in the plant and uh, so it's uh, it's it's becoming uh, talked about in all boardrooms now, and and uh, everybody is realizing that reliability is very important. Uh, where it's for fantastic. the past 30 years it is hasn't been.
0: So yeah, yeah. Dries, what do you think?
2: No, I think absolutely. In the past, I think we would see the the maintenance or maybe they would even call them the repair team somewhere yeah. in the back in a shack and they would be just called whenever <laughs> there was an issue. And I think these days, uh, the, the maintenance and reliability engineers and managers uh, in the world, they they get involved um, around the table from the beginning on, right? From yeah. the design process and and on forward. So I think that's a really good um, progress we're seeing. But it's still, a lot of places, there's still a long way to go. So.
0: Yep well i think that's a perfect segue why don't i hand the mic over to you guys and you can take it from here
1: okay great thanks so uh thank you very much leah so um we'll uh hopefully we'll figure out why the computer is uh flickering on us but uh maybe it'll figure itself out here a little bit so let's start a little bit at the beginning here we're going to talk about today's maintenance landscape and we're going to start a little bit about looking at some of the challenges and then we're going to wrap it up with some solutions. We'll turn it over to Dries later on and uh, he'll talk about some solutions. So let's uh, let's get moving here. So um, when we look at today's maintenance landscape, you know, maintenance teams are all having to do more with less and uh, all with the cost of doing business increasing every day. And uh, as we talk to uh, our customers uh For the past few years we realize that this is coming from uh, three main causes you know one is uh, a retiring workforce the second is more complex machines and systems and third less funding higher goals and so it seems like things that used to be uh impossible are just getting worse and worse and worse and you'll see a study here that uh, shows some numbers and i think everybody's to agree that uh, things are just getting tougher and we just can't ignore um and and uh just keep letting it get worse. So so what are maintenance teams supposed to do? You know, we we see this impossible situation. And as and and there's nothing new here, you know, a lot of organizations, you know, we've all heard over the years about you know reactive maintenance and preventive maintenance and and we've all uh you know heard about predictive maintenance and condition based maintenance and we all know about the the downside to reactive and the upside of of predictive and um everybody on this journey of of trying to move more towards the proactive side but what we're finding is a lot of people need some help on this and, uh, you know, uh, some guidance and, and maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, what, you know what, what have we learned? And, and so that's what we're going to talk about today is how can uh, some successful customers in the past give us some ideas on, on where to go? so let's start off a little bit about looking at the potential failure curve and I I know that we uh, kind of put that in our abstract and many of you have probably already seen this curve and if you if you look at it uh you know you'll see that at the end of the curve way over here on the right you can see that's where failure happens in catastrophe and we all want to we all want to prevent that from happening in the past we were looking things like uh, time directed task, you know, preventive type task, but that that sometimes is a little too little, a little too late. And then we talk about wanting to move into the predictive side. And that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit today about, you know, infrared imaging, motor testing, uh, vibration analysis, um, fluid analysis, ultrasound testing, and some of these things, in the more predictive, because what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to know when a machine is going to fail before it gets to the point where the cost of repair and the and the wasted energy starts taking over. But one thing that we also want to think about is, you know, it isn't just about catching it just before it fails. It used to be that's that was the name of the game. You know, we want to get as much life out of a machine, but what we found out is that that's a dangerous way to run a a plant because the cost to repair gets higher and we have a lot of wasted energy and when you look at this curve there's a couple things that many of us don't even have a chance to look at and that's way over on the left you know don't forget about the inherent reliability and I'm not going to get too deep into this because many of us are way over here on the far right but Think about the inherent reliability as the as the design and the precision. It's kind of the upfront, you know, uh, the overall robustness of a system, and it's the upper limit of your reliability. Um, and then if you look over on over on the right, the in, the inherent availability, which is kind of where we're at now, that's our steady state availability, and that's considering only what corrective maintenance can do. So, what does this really mean? Well focus on making the difference between these two parts in that the design and installation the, the proactive part way over on the left is important because any asset that's properly designed and installed that means that when we go over to the right then its capacity is going to be 100 percent but if the design and precision isn't good then we're never going to get 100% over on the right. So so what does that mean? That means that we can never maintain um and 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 fix a problem with the design and installation. So we're not we're just mentioning this now for now we just want to work about at the right side of the of the graph but but keep in mind there's a lot more to it than that. Okay, and then one thing before we get rolling and running into this is there's more to um, to reliability than just the tools and the technology so here you can see that the data, which is kind of the central part um, is um, you know there's really three parts that talk that work with that data the technologies the tools which we all uh, hear about and talk about. But we can't forget about the process and the people because if we don't work on the people and the process then the technology and the tools aren't going to work it's all interrelated okay and now we're ready to go to a poll question so leah can you help us through this first poll
0: question i'd be happy to Now, folks, we ask these poll questions for a couple of reasons. Um, One, uh, we really do want to know where you're at on your journey, Um, and it also helps our presenters sort of customize uh, what they're saying to where the answers you give us. So take a minute now, where are you at on your reliability journey? Are you really conducting a fair amount of predictive maintenance on your critical assets? Are you doing a mix of planned maintenance and some predictive, either in-house or or outsourced? Are you doing a mix of planned and reactive? So reactive with an, a fair number of PMs in there maybe. Or are you at mostly reactive maintenance? And again, all plants are different, different types of criticality, so it's no judgment. Think about what your ideal is and where you're at now. I'm gonna give it just another couple of seconds and get about 65 or 70% of us voted and then we'll share the results with you on screen. So where are you at right now in your reliability journey? And this will help John and Dries kind of tailor the presentation to you a little bit. All right, we're at 65% voted. So I'm going to share the results with everyone now. So let's take a look at this. We've only got 15% of folks doing mostly reactive You've got 56%, so about half, doing a mix of planned and reactive maintenance, about a quarter doing mostly planned with some predictive, and 8% doing predictive maintenance on critical assets. John and Dries, what do you think about that?
1: Um, Yeah, that that sounds about right. Dries, what do you you think?
2: Yeah, it feels like a pretty good representation of what we see day to day in the field, um, where we're still mostly mixed of plant and reactive and and we're slowly trending upwards towards more of that uh mm-hmm. using that predictive data and then trying to to use that more effectively i think and that's one part of the of this webinar obviously right yep
0: excellent, right. okay. I will hide this and then that'll turn it back over to you all
1: okay thanks well then let's let's get rolling so. What we're going to talk about next is over the years talking to our customers, um, you know, we, we said, you know, what kind of questions are they asking? And as we're talking to new customers, we're finding out that everybody's asking the same questions, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, there's really three challenges that are confronting, uh, you know, today's maintenance leaders. Um, they Everybody wants to grow reliability, but how can we possibly do it when we're already 100% busy? um the next is you know how do we monitor all of our critical assets when we have limited resources which kind of rolls into the first question and then how do we balance our time and resources between critical assets and all the assets we maintain so um as we talk with hundreds of maintenance leaders and technicians um no matter what the industry or the country or the team size we're hearing the same thing about this constant battle of keeping plants up and running with the uh, with the restraints, and sometimes you end up spending too much time um you know on the low value assets because you're spending all your time on the squeaky wheel so let's let's take a little bit deeper look into this um criticality uh aspect and um you know this this is kind of the first step of looking into um reliability so um if you do a criticality analysis which is usually the first part of a, of a reliability program you often get a long list and everything looks critical and it's like how can i possibly maintain that and traditionally people think of this as as there's four different ways that uh, they approach this 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 criticality problem oops sorry about that it looks like my uh there we go. Okay, maybe that'll stop flickering now. Sorry about that. One is, you know, binary. So if it's not critical, I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, another is you force rank your criticality. So you know, if you have 20, so then I'm, you. Uh, I'm going to
0: interrupt yes. you for a second because yep. it looks as though our poll is is persistent on screen, and so I'm going to change our presenters here, and I apologize to everyone for interrupting the presentation this way. But um that will hopefully force it back out of poll mode.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe part of that is what's given us the uh the flicker. The flicker. I don't know. Okay. All right, well, all right. So all right. Thanks. thanks everyone. All right, let me let me so I'll finish up here. So we could force rank it. Um, you know, you could also um be a little bit creative in your scheduling. Um, you know, if I can schedule it out far enough, I'll eventually get to everything and the last one is you know you just give up you know if i don't have enough staff and enough budget um i'm just not going to be able to get everything so all of these approaches and i've been in the maintenance world for many 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 years and i i was on an aircraft carrier as a maintenance supervisor uh in an engine room and uh we had the same things back then 20 years ago all of these approaches are unsustainable and they miss the deep root cause and that is we have more assets than we have capacity than we have resources so how are we going to do this well let's see if we can ask around and maybe we can find some some ideas on how other um you know uh, you know so let's oh uh, my my screen was 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 having an issue here so so what do we do? You know, in the ideal world, everybody knows that we want to have reliability, you know, predictability, safer workplaces, increased maintenance intervals, reliability, better peace of mind. We all want that. But then in the real world, we run into issues. There's challenges and obstacles. You know, with with reactive maintenance, you know, we uh, it's very stressful and there's um a lot of failures and there's a lot of downtime and uh i'm not sure why we're losing uh this presenter mode i apologize I for that know, so carry on okay so i'll just keep moving along um with pms you know pms are 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 great but um you know studies have shown that on rotating machinery that failures are still random 85 percent so pms isn't 100 percent successful by any means and then You know predictive maintenance um you know we all have limited budget and time so the problem is do we have to choose one of these and a lot of people feel like they they have a bad choice to make and and how can you possibly uh pick one of these bad choices and so let's look at some solutions that some of our customers have been successful with and let's uh let's see if we can find a way to kind of uh work our way through this so some of our successful customers that we've worked with have, have found a way to do this when they're already 100% busy, is by following three pillars. The first pillar is when you wanna start up a reliability program, the number one problem is you try to start too big. And when you start too big, then what happens is you're still setting up the program when people, when managers are asking for success and you can't show it. So the solution to this is to start small and grow if you start small and grow on a pilot program you get some success you show it you grow it you get more funding the second pillar that we want to talk about that successful customers have have shown us has worked out well for them is the technology selection don't try to do everything with one tool okay match the right tool to your failure mode so you're going to want to do a do a failure mode analysis and try to figure out where are your failures what what technology should you start with don't just try to use one and then finally the number one problem of a program that fails is data overload you're now collecting all this data and if it doesn't give you an answer then it's wasted data it's it's just data overload so that's why um you know we can help you go through and learn how to use each of these types of tools or pillars one is a criticality survey which we talked about a second is an expected failure mode analysis you can find out what tools you should be starting with and then finally bringing all the data to the right people and the right tools and and make make the right decisions so those are some things that we found start small use the right tools and then get good answers. So let's kind of do a little bit of a look back now, you know, how do other people that are faced with this this dilemma, how do they face it? Well, let's look at at the healthcare industry because in the healthcare industry, you've got millions of patients and not enough specialists. every every patient is equally important. So we can't just say, I'm only gonna take care of the most critical people because everybody is critical. So that's unacceptable. We can't throw in vast resources because we just don't have enough people. So the healthcare industry, what they do is they use a tiered approach where nurses and wellness screening are gonna try to screen out whether you need to see a doctor or not. And then general practice doctor They're going to know the five or six most common problems and be able to see if they can take care of that. So the idea here is try to take care of a problem at the lowest level before you have to go to an expert, before you have to go to a specialist, because if we do that, then it's a much better way of, of screening out, and it levels the workload, and it means that we can cover millions of patients with only a few specialists so why don't we do that with the maintenance world and so in the maintenance world we have the same problem we have too many critical machines not enough resources so instead of spending time analyzing healthy machines we don't want to deploy our experts on simple faults or do unnecessary work orders so sometimes we need tools that to see what is really going on with the asset but sometimes we just need to screen the machines. So with our healthcare analogy, condition-based screening would help reduce the workload and align the task to appropriate resources. So this approach has the potential to unlock the team capacity and extend the best reliability practices across the entire plant. So let's talk a little bit more about this. So we talked about this earlier you know, how do we bridge this skills gap? One of the most, one of the things that we're seeing, and this is just becoming more and more evident, is that we just don't have the experts that we had five, 10, 15 years ago. They're retiring, they're leaving. And and, uh, so we've got to find a way to do more with less and with, 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 with the skills gap. And so the way to do that, you know, first we want to classify our machines into three major categories well again this is looking a little bit like that tiered approach again isn't it so when we do this we can see that only the top 10 percent or so are the are the machines that they're they're very very critical there are star athletes that really require a specialist but 60 90 percent of our machines are pretty basic machines so why don't we look at that the same kind of thing way we do it in the healthcare is let's break this up into some simple classifications to be able to look at all of our machines. So the first thing we can do is let's screen our machines. So 90% of the machines in a plant are simple rotating motors, pumps, fans, compressors, blowers, they're not that you know, difficult. So why don't we screen out with some simple tools? And just like a nurse is going to screen out with a blood pressure, pulse, and temperature, let's quickly find out in a matter of seconds whether the machine is good or bad. And traditionally, 80% of machines are healthy. That means that only 20% we really need to take a look at, and that's when you call in the doctor, right? So we screen with a nurse, and then we call in the doctor, And if you look at it, there really are just a few faults that happen with most rotating machinery all the time. And if we can knock out that 90%, just like a doctor does, then that means that only about 10% are going to a specialist. So over on the right, you can see that there are three different types of tools. There's the screening tool at the bottom, like the nurse. There's the diagnostic tool, like the doctor and then there's the expert tool or the specialist tool um for for portable tools and we have the same type of tools in our wireless permanent or wired uh, permanent systems where we have screening tools diagnosing tools and um other tools okay so let's do one last real quick look at uh, a couple of things here and then we'll then we'll uh, we'll uh we'll get rolling so i want to look at this pdf curve one last time the potential failure curve because um one thing we want to look at is and we've talked about this you know the energy waste the cost to repair the you know trying to catch machines before they fail and using this tiered approach but let's look at one more thing so we need to have a connected ecosystem designed to detect the anomalies across the major failure modes. You know, all you know, oil, vibration, ultrasound, thermal. Um, and that's a contrast to a lot of the CBM programs that are out there right now are only looking at one single failure mode, only one technology. So what we want to be able to do is to support condition screening, both by handheld tools used on maintenance routes and by sensors that are on our assets. So this means we'll have tools that entry-level technicians use to capture basic data and then tools for the more experienced experts. All of this data from the tools and the sensors must be stored in the same database and then trended and watched over time and analyzed by advanced software to give us a better picture of the asset health and early warnings of potential failures so we will want to be able to share this data with cmms systems and enterprise systems and asset management systems so that we can then generate work orders and uh, get the appropriate team members working on it so beyond the tools and the software the ecosystem needs access to experts and trainers to provide to to be able to boost this up so this ecosystem of connected tools uh, from the simple to the advanced with multiple technologies uh, eliminates the need for the team to have to have different solutions from different sources bridges the gaps and implements approaches in a tiered approach uh, to finally give us a successful program so as we look into this connected reliability we're going to talk about the data the systems and the teams so we didn't create this overnight we spent years of development behind the scenes and um, you know integrating these programs together and it spans the depth of condition monitoring for the simple to complex um and all failure modes all SCADA PLC systems um we've invested in leading air sorry leading edge software and wrapped this up in a way to to, uh, to transfer this knowledge. Um, and we're not done. I mean, this is something that's gonna continue going and this is what we're gonna be talking about uh, as we start rolling into the next section when we talk about our Excel uh, architecture of this new Fluke Connect enabled tools uh, allow you to take data from different sources and share this data with different places. Okay, so Now we're ready to go into our second poll question. So Leah, can you help us through this?
0: I can, and hopefully our system will not uh, take over this time, but if it does, we'll, we'll apply that other trick again. So our second poll today is, which of the following predictive maintenance technologies are you currently using? Vibration monitoring and analysis, ultrasound, infrared, oil analysis, electrical testing. You can choose as many as you are using. And this, again, will give us a a feel for what you have uh, already enacted and what you might be thinking about. Again, it depends on what kind of plant you're running, what kind of machines you have, what kind of indicators you're looking for. We have about half the folks in who voted. Let's give it five more seconds. vibration ultrasound infrared oil analysis electrical testing click as many as it apply and it's true we might have had a none in there um that would have been a good idea okay i'm going to close it and share it okay we have a lot going on that's good to see so um a fairly even spread between vibration and infrared oil analysis and electrical testing with some ultrasound in there too what do you think guys
2: um seems that that's like that our audience is a very good mix here of um of, yeah. of users in different uh applications um so it's good to see that it's not just uh, focused on one one right. technology, because it will really be a combination of of all technologies that will give you the the right data to to draw your conclusions. So I think uh, typically a mixed approach here is the is the best way to uh, to do
0: it. Agreed,
1: that's that's exactly right. And and so, you know, if kind of what we've been talking about before and what we're going to be talking about next is we have. Um, different failure modes we have different types of machines different assets and quite often that needs a mix of different types of trending technologies Mm -hmm. to find out the condition of the machine Mm
0: -hmm. so what
1: we're going to talk about next is how do we take all that information and get that all together so that we can use that information
0: okay we'll take it away do you have anything else nope okay all right well
1: okay so that's what we're going to talk about next is what is fluke reliability and and um you know how is fluke reliability here to uh to kind of help you as you bring all of this data together and how do you build a successful reliability program and uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about helping customers on their journey from reactive and preventive Um, into predictive and proactive. Um, You know, it's one of these things where, uh, you know, a lot of people have tried it, some have failed. uh, And uh, now more and more people are saying um, where it used to be kind of a nice thing to do and maybe only the big companies or the companies that really had to do it, did it. Now everybody needs to do it. We just can't be competitive nowadays without doing reliability. So... Fluke Reliability is here to help you uh, as you're on your reliability journey. So um, one last slide that I'm gonna cover here uh, before we get into solutions, and that's just to show you that um, this has taken us many years to bring this uh fluke reliability portfolio together and so as of today there are three major subgroups you'll see that uh fluke connect proof technic and emaint are the major products and services that we've brought together under this fluke reliability group it's important to state that we design all of our products in the best of breed uh so that uh you know each one one can be purchased independently and will do its job, but in addition, all of our products are designed to operate or will soon operate together under the ExcelX um, IoT platform. So uh, ExcelX is not a product we sell, but a software technology that's built around our products and brings them to share the data and communication with other systems and with all of the maintenance team members. We wanna get the the right information to the right person to make the right decision and keep the plant up and running. So it's the technical glue that connects the ecosystem and makes it possible to add new tools and solutions in a Lego-like fashion, because you may already have a couple of the tools and we don't want you to stop using those tools. We wanna help you find out what other tools you need and how to piece that all together and use what you already have and, and the new things and bring that all together So, because we believe that connected reliability, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Okay, so now that we're going to talk about solutions, I'm going to turn it over to Dries. So Dries, please take over.
2: Hey, uh, thank you, John. And indeed, I think uh, if we look at uh, the product portfolio of, of Fluke reliability right now and 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 in analogy to that um, tiered approach, I uh, really you need a tool that is right for the person that is using it, right? If you have an operator, he just wants um, a basic tester and uh, maybe do a quick vibration test with a simple tool. And then you have your your specialist who needs to be able to get to go really in depth and and do a full analysis. And that's really the approach that you should take when, when you're looking for the right tools to use as well. I say, okay, who is going to be using this tool day to day? What is the, the job that it needs to accomplish with that? What is the, the information that it needs to gather and then figure out what is the best tool for it? And you see here a very in a quick glance, um, uh, that that with fluke reliability we have a, a big portfolio basically suiting that that same tiered level, say, okay, what do we need and how do we um how do we do it? And basically ever the, the motto should really be that you're trying to get the answers to the to the right people, and if we go um, on the next slide, I'll give you a quick example there. Um, basically, we talk about um, basically we talk about um, the um, getting the answers to the right people. And this is an example here of a uh, of some of our vibration equipment where we say, okay, there has been handheld data collectors for many years out in the market, but and the, typically that data would go into a little container, meaning you had a vibration department and they would look at that data and they, out of that vibration department, a um, a report would come out with some recommendations, but that's something that, that needs to change right now, that data needs to be accessible. So so an operator, for example, has a live feedback of, of how, how the machines are doing. So if he hears something that sounds off and he can see that, hey, indeed the vibration also Notice that change, and that will help him to decide: do I call maintenance, or do I, um, or do I keep running? Right. So um, this is an example here of, of uh, something we call asset view, and basically see from your handheld data collector or from the uh, continuous monitoring systems, you get a, a dashboard-like interface that's understandable for everybody, and say, okay, what is the condition of my asset park? And then we can dive in, time to the um, to the actual machine level, seeing. Live data, but a tool like this is not built for the analyst to do in-depth troubleshooting. No, it's built for the operator, for the for the maintenance manager, for the uh, for the plant supervisor to say, hey, how is what's the condition of my asset park, right? To make that data um, accessible so that the right people can can make the right draw the right conclusions and take the right actions. Um, and then another example here, I think on the next slide is. Um, The alignment systems where we do a similar approach, we say, okay, this needs to be um, a connected system, right? It's not just a person goes and does an alignment and then calls his boss, okay, the alignment is good. No, um, you need to be able to to document that data to maybe prepare that job and send it back over to um, the system. So you're 100% sure that they're going after the right asset with the right um, information and then, that information comes back again to um, the software, so the, the maintenance planner or the more in-depth um, maintenance guys can use that data to draw their um, draw their conclusions and, and track it over time, right? So connecting these systems is really where the um, where the value is in uh, in this case. And these are just two examples of, of some of our products. But let's look at the bigger picture now uh, with the with the SLX platform and then. How that basically creates this connected reliability because that's really where, where the value can be added and where the um, where the goal should be. If you look at we have all our goals right everybody every department gets uh, goals lined up saying hey you need to increase your asset availability we need to start doing proactive maintenance because they picked up that buzzword from some trade show eh? and oh by the way uh, not only do you have to do that but you also need to save some cost right so uh, these are really the goals that that any maintenance departments these days have, right? Say, okay, we need more uptime and we need to save costs, okay. And then the results and the right-hand side there is, okay, that should be that uptime, should be less cost and should be um, add, increasing productivity and so on and so forth. So there's a couple steps in between there that we need to take to be able to get there. And the first one is, is you need the knowledge, right? You need the right people, um, you need to um, know where you are today, uh, where how you can improve your situation to get to um, that end result of, of increasing your reliability. And once you have the, the knowledge in place and you have the right um, people in your team and you know, hey, maybe we need some extra training here or there, then you can start looking at the data that you actually get from your um, from your systems and, and try to create um, with the asset you have, with the, with the knowledge you have, you can try to create um, better insights into your machines and say, okay, what is actually going on in my machine park, right? Um, And because now you have data coming from your assets, coming from your uh, process information, combined with the knowledge in your team, you can create certain insights and that will then result in in the right actions to take. And that's really the idea that we're not, not guessing on which actions that need to be taken, but we define using data from our machines, um with the proper knowledge and the proper software tools to create um, the insights that we need and from there on we can conclude which actions to take so that's really the four let's say main components here when we're trying to go from our yearly um, meeting goals our yearly uh, goals for the reliability department or maintenance department to the actual um, results if we dive a little bit deeper into that and and how we approach it within the fluke reliability um, world is and we have this um, this ecosystem we call it where where all these pieces um, come back right we see the data on the left hand side we see our actions on the completely right and then in between and we have the knowledge and we have tools to create um, these insights <coughs> so at the end it is really that <coughs> you need a um, some kind of interconnected system. And that's when we really talk about connected um, reliability because it's it's not one component by itself that's going to make or break it. It's really the combination of these different um, tools or these different uh, components that will uh, make your uh, department thrive. So diving into them um, one by one a little bit deeper is that uh, connected data, I think, speaks for itself. Uh, proof-technique, as a, proof-technique and Fluke as a traditional um, hardware manufacturing company as uh, saying here okay we have great tools out there which I think everybody here is well aware of to to cover any type of of data that you might need uh, vibration ultrasound uh, the new sonic imager there for example uh, you see there's innovations there is traditional products that that we need and uh, that can provide us the right data so I think on the data side we're good right we can we know um we know data very well and we've spent Decades of uh, decades and decades of building the the best tools out there um, f- to collect that data, but it's not the data by itself, as John was saying. It's it's not the data by itself that's going to solve the problem, right? You need to create, get that data into one um, into one connected system, and that's what we talk about here on this next slide. Saying, okay, um, we get the data coming in now. We need some kind of common denominator where we can put all that data together I'm typically a, a data historian um, like at the asyix platform and on top of that as um, on top of that connected to that data lake we have um, tools like the uh, your CMMS systems and we have the e main software for example and other tools for for example machine learning some predictive uh, analytics, um, specific analysis, and, and reporting tools. So there's different software tools that basically connect to that data, and they can really add more data because of um, they can really add more value because you have different um, tools, right? Different different sources of data. All the all the data together is a lot more uh, valuable if you can combine the process data with the vibration data for example that you can create a lot more value than just looking at them individually of course there will always be room for uh, some specific uh, tools out there uh, if you look at um, a specific vibration software and a cmms software uh, and in our connected teams approach there you'll see that um, which is something we see on the next slide is something that um, and you'll still need those, those specific software, for example, for the vibration analysis or f- for your CMMS software, but they all have a specific goal, right? They're connected to that big data source. And then um, you have an, an e-main, for example, to do your work order management and then your your, um, your warehouse um, scheduling. But then there's different tools that sit on top of that data and they, they will allow your teams to be connected to that data. So for example, your, your maintenance team out in the field, I can use something like like a Fluke Mobile to take those work orders in the field with them with historical data, and so they can actually draw the right um, conclusions and, and do their job um, more efficiently because they have the information there um, with them. And so we see that there's different specific software tools that run on top of that data to then um, basically connect your teams, because every team needs uh, a different approach. And that basically all then comes back to um, connecting that knowledge. So if you have um, the right amount of data, you have the uh, the tools that your team needs to um, draw the conclusions out of that data and uh, to get insights out of that data. And then the, the team has the right knowledge uh, where you're doing um, training and and with the right training, depending on what your team is trying to do, how you can do, your, your vibration guys can do a CAT 1 or CAT 2 vibration training. Um, so there's different things yeah, where the knowledge is really, um, it can be added and then that's really when then the value can be created. And with the, having a team with the right tools, the right data and the right knowledge, that's really what will then bring you, um, excel your your maintenance strategy and if we then go on the next slide where you see that all comes then together right we have um, our goals on the left hand side the different um the different pillars of knowledge data insights and actions there you need the knowledge the data and the, um, the data all together with the proper software tools to create the insights and then from there we define what the actions are and that's really how how we would fluke reliability um see how the connected reliability um, should be, and not an individual vibration um, data source that's not connected to anything, no, the value is really connecting all these different pieces and um, drawing conclusions out of that, because you can create much more value out of combining your asset condition data with your process data, um, and then um, taking the right actions out of there. So I think that's really uh, where where everything comes together and where we get um, we're able to draw the right um, conclusions out of it. And that's what what we at Fluke Reliability would would call the true connected reliability, uh, because all those different um, pillars are interwoven and are connected in in an automated way. So, have the right people have access to the right data, um, so they can draw the right um, conclusions and and create the right insights to, to define the, the actions that need to be taken. Okay, I think that was really the, the last part here that I wanted to, um, to cover to say, okay, and we got a great intro from John going through the PNF curve and how we get to define what actions we need to take and what, what data is, is important and how we can best approach that so we don't get lost in in or overwhelmed with saying, oh, we're gonna do 100% um, proactive maintenance. No, choose a choose a tiered approach, and then okay, now we know how we're going to approach our assets and how we're going to approach maintenance. Now say okay, what data do we need um, to draw the, the good conclusions? How are we going to combine that data with the right knowledge and with the tools to um, to create value out of that data, and then out of that we can draw our um, actions. So I think that really. Combines the whole um, the whole presentation here into that connected reliability view where we are talking about.
1: Thank you very much, Dries, for uh, uh, for that, and uh, thanks for uh, um, going through those uh, solutions with us. And let me let me add one one quick thing, if I can, before we uh, turn this over to Leia and finish this up. Um, the way I look at this is, think about way over on the left is your point A, and way over on your right is point B. You know we all know that in the maintenance uh you know and operations world uh today you know we all have these goals and we we all know that we want to be able to get to better reliability better maintenance uh, be, uh improved uh you know operations but the but the problem is always how do we get from point a to point b how do we get from where we are to where we want to be And that's really where Fluke Reliability is there to help you on your path to go from point A to point B because a lot of people uh, have troubles doing that. So that's what we're here to do is to try to help you on that path. But great, great job, Dries. Thanks a lot.
0: Perfect. Yes, thank you for adding that. Yeah. Do you guys want to ask one final question of the audience?
1: Yes, let me see if I can get my uh, computer to work. There we go, so Leah, one one last poll question, go right ahead.
0: Okay, and the reason we wanna ask this one is we've just put a whole lot of ideas toward you all. Take a minute and read this. So we're, we're wondering, now that we've given you sort of this big, wonderful picture of tiering your maintenance and your team and your data collection and your systems, How far along on this journey are you? Indeed, some of the folks who've written in questions are like, is anyone doing this well? So we wanted to ask you guys, are you integrating your asset data and using it for analytics? Or are you working on it in a pilot program, trying to sync your data and systems? Or are you researching and thinking about it? Or it's on your list, and you know you need to organize your data a little bit better or it's just not on your radar. And I appreciate you answering this because a lot of the questions that have come in are sort of similar to this. John and gave you sort of the buildup um, from looking at what you have to what you want to do. All right, I'm gonna close it down. I know there's a lot to read there. Got some great response, thank you. Okay, I'm gonna share the results. We've got some folks who indeed have integrated their asset data with their systems and are using it. And a good number of folks who are either actively in a pilot or who are researching and planning one, good for you. And then a good number of folks who are organizing their data. That's a great first step is organizing your data. And then people who aren't quite ready yet. All right. John and do you want to have a quick quick mention yeah, of your you thoughts kinda, on that?
2: You kind of see indeed um, <clears throat> how we went from, if we would do the same questions, uh, we did the three poll questions
0: mm-hmm. five years ago,
2: you would see um, a completely different answer. I think you would see probably so. vibration and then the other technologies on a on smaller side, but then we came to realize, okay, we really need to have different sources of data. And I think we'll see something similar here that that this whole connected reliability ID is, is, is rather new and using some of these analytics, which we hear on, uh, on the television and, and wherever else, and um, really, I think slowly are, are coming into the market with, with solutions that are easy to use and that are yep. um,
0: that can create value
2: fairly quickly yes exactly so yeah i think we'll see this this is kind of the same what we see in the market and and thanks everybody for answering indeed um but we'll see this progress as well and that's why companies like fluke reliability really try to focus on okay this this bigger picture connected reliability and then providing all the different um steps in between as well as right knowledge to to support the
0: <laughs> You have to right? break it down mm-hmm. all right i'm going to hide these results and then um oh it's going to be it's going to do that thing again all right mm-hmm. um it's just that kind of day john if you will forward to the questions slide
1: i will as long because as i want as to make gets...
0: sure there yep, we go you're on i want to make sure that people have your emails for both of you so if you have questions you are welcome to email john Dries directly i'm going to answer ask a couple of your questions now and then uh, any questions we haven't answered, we'll get back to you in writing while they post a Q&A. All right, so could you, either John or Dries, um, give us the quick advice on how you define critical equipment? Is there a standard that you use to decide which which equipment needs the highest level of attention?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I'll I'll take a first ad that and then Dries, maybe you uh, can add to it if you want. Um, there is no real magic formula um and uh we we do have some uh some ideas where you know instead of you know trying to say you know um what is what is the formula to pick that um and and there are some criticality analysis surveys that uh we can help customers with but it but it really boils down to you know think of it like this you know what is what is your star athlete what is the one or two machines that if it goes down if you think it just like an nfl star or something that 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 athlete has a their own doctor their own specialist their own everything you know so there there may be one or two machines in your plant that already has an expert following it and then and then you move down to your really critical machines that if those machines go down then your plant is going to have a huge reduction in in uh, in downtime and then you move down to your less critical that are still going to be a nightmare to the maintenance team but maybe not shut down the plant you know so it's going to knock down your capability but not not really kill you and then you get down to the bottom where you've got machines that uh just don't make an impact so so we have some ideas and it really depends on your plant when you sit down and do it a criticality list it's really nothing more than making a list of all your machines and then setting some parameters you know some questions about you know um, what is critical about this machine is it the repair cost is it the downtime Um, Is it that I've got to uh, uh, bring in some specialists, long time to order parts, an environmental impact? And so really it depends on the asset, it depends on your company, it depends on um, the application. There are a lot of variables. So um, I I couldn't give you, there's no magic formula, but there are some things we can do to help you kind of work on that. Dries, any ideas?
2: I think that uh, is a pretty good description of um, uh, of what what you should do and and how to best approach it. Right? Hopefully, I think we can. Um, so I think that answers the question. I hope. So maybe we I can so. uh, squeeze in a couple other questions yep. here.
0: Yep. I as a follow on question, somebody else asked uh, how you decide what kind of predictive tools or inspections to use, or what points of inspection to use on which pieces of equipment.
2: So. I'll, uh, I'll have a go at that. So go basically, you would look at uh, at your asset and basically define the failure modes, right? So if mm-hmm. you know what can potentially go wrong with this machine, mm-hmm. then you can go in the market or, or find the specialist and say, okay, how can I potentially measure that specific failure mode and, and try to predict it? Um, so mm-hmm. once you do a, a failure mode analysis of your specific machine, and you will also be able to define the technologies that suit those failure modes to be able to detect them. And luckily, there's a lot of experience out there in the, and you're not the only one with some exotic screw compressor or something. That machine is built somewhere else as well, right? So, so like like us with, with Proof-Tinic and with Fluke now, um, we see a lot of these machines and a lot of different customers. So, we kind of already know what to uh, what to expect from most of them and, and can do a pretty good job in, in advising the um, failure modes and then the technologies to um to find those
0: and predict those yeah how long does it take to get started do you think
1: (laughs) um like like i showed earlier um getting started it it's hard to say it depends on the number of machines the number of assets the number of resources the one thing i can say though is um well two things number one um don't start too big you know, so if you've got 3000 assets, um, the biggest thing you could do wrong is, is, you know, try to say, okay, we're going to start them all up now. Um, You know, and the other thing to think about is that, you know, so start with pilot programs, get things, get things started, get things moving. The other thing is, reliability is not a destination, it's a journey. So keep in mind that, getting a program up and going is really a never-ending thing you know (laughs) so i have seen over the years that i've been in reliability 20 or 30 years now um i have seen the case where a customer gets a program up and started uh in a year they uh, they get it fine tuned. They get it working really good in two years. At their third year, the thing is just a, a, a smooth running machine, and they just they're, they 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 uh, they they don't have many downtimes and everything's good. And then the new CEO comes in and says, "How come this reliability program is costing us so much money? And I can't see, uh, you know, what what are they saving us?" So. What I'm saying is don't ever let your guard down. Don't ever stop (laughs) documenting saves because as soon as you stop documenting saves, a new CEO is going to cancel your liability program. And guess what? In a year or so, you're going to be right in the same mess you were before.
0: Well, on that cheery note, I'm going to have you forward to the last couple of slides, please. Okay. There we go. So when I close this webinar down, folks, you're going to see that survey. Please do answer it. It gives us great feedback for what kind of other uh, topics you'd like us to present on. And you'll be able to go to the ExcelX.com page for a recording of this one. We'll also uh, send you these slides if you, if you do enter the survey. So I want to take a minute and thank both John and Dries for being with us today. You guys did an awesome job. I appreciate it very much.
1: Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here.
0: Okay. Thank you for hosting,
1: Alia.
0: Yeah, I look forward to having everyone here with us next time. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye.
1: Thank bye you. Bye. Bye-bye.